Welcome to the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Joe and Ron are self-proclaimed teacher nerds geeking out on all things education. They are looking to move educational practices out of the 1900s factory worker model to a student-driven classroom full of empathetic, creative, and collaborative students willing to take risks. Join them as they chat with educators from around the world, discussing educational tools, techniques, ideas, policies, and much more. Thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds. And now a word from a sponsor. Have you heard about the nerds? What's the word? Teacher nerds. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. After listening to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam, trying to take the teaching from one level to the next, reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teaching nerds. Start the show. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. I am Ron Nober. I'm Joe DiPaolo. I am a technology teacher for third grade to eighth grade. And I teach third grade. And today our guest is uh, Andrew Jordan Nance. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, guys. Nice to meet you both. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. And uh, Andrew's coming from San Francisco, California, and he's going to be talking to us a little bit about mindfulness. So a topic we've had a few podcasts on, and Joe and I are very interested about bringing that into the classroom and to sometimes trying to get it into the whole school and as a, as a group. So we look forward to hearing what you have to say. We're going to start off with our two yes more, one no way, and today is movie characters. It's time for two yes more, one no way. And my two, my two yeses, one of my all-time favorite movie characters, and he's, let's say, somewhat of a smaller role, is Quint from Jaws. Oh, mm. I love Quint. Like I just the the scenes in Jaws where he is he's sitting and uh, they're singing the you know the sailor songs and uh, when he's talking about his tattoo of the USS Indianapolis and all sometimes just like sends shivers down your spine. Like I think it was the perfectly cast person for that movie. Um, so he's my my one uh, yes. My second one is. Indiana Jones. Hmm. Um, I yeah. thought that was going to be your first one. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was a toss up. Um, I just think like that character. He's like the cool archaeologist that like every kid probably wanted to grow up to be. Um, so he's he's definitely in my yes, and my one no way. And it it almost like I, I want to put my head down as I say it because I know people are going to like boo me audibly when they're listening to this is Harry Potter. Oh, I, 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 I'm sorry. I apologize. No, no, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. We'll mute that out later and you'll see why. <laughs> I just can't, I can't get into the whole Harry Potter thing. I tried, I, I tried to watch, I watched one movie. I tried to watch a second and I just, it, it's just not, not my thing. So um, there are my two yeses and one no way. Andrew. Okay. All right. Well, I love this question. So I would have to say Christopher Reeve as Superman. Oh. Uh, 
And I just think he's, he was terrific. And he also embodied uh, what I think a real superhero is, which is to be Mm -hmm. kind and courageous and just there for, you know, people and his loved ones. And, um, and I got to meet him actually uh, when he did a play and uh, he actually, he signed my pen or signed, signed my program with my pen. And then he had to come back to me to get my pen again, because the person who wanted the autograph didn't have a pen. So I was very excited about that. I was probably like 22. And, uh, and then the other person that comes to mind is Ellen Burstyn in a movie called Resurrection with her and Sam Shepard, Sham Shepard. And she was, she's in a car accident and she wakes up with the ability to heal people. Mm. And um, it changes her life for the good and for the worse. And it's a really beautiful movie. And mm. I remember trying to uh, heal my cat after that movie. And it, <laughs> well, the cat was fine. But anyway, when, cat didn't seem any when did that come out? Is you that know, that, older? that was probably in the 80s, too. Apparently, okay. you know, I grew up, I'm, you know, I'm older, I'm 56. So a lot of my movie years, uh, we're in the formative movie years. We're in the eighties. Eighties, yeah. And Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. He's the. Uh, is he? He plays uh, in Roadhouse, right? He's in Roadhouse. He's in Le- the Big Lebowski. I think you're right. He's also a playwright. He's in fact. I think he was known as a playwright uh, before he became an actor. Really. Or before he became uh, got notoriety <laughs> for being an actor. Okay. And then um, the other one. The other character, I would say, the woman from The English Patient. I didn't like that movie at all. And I just thought the character was just, she was kind of bored with her husband. So she wound up having an affair. And it just, you know, I needed the husband to be abusive or, (laughs) you know, a serial killer or something. But she was just like, meh. (laughs) <laughs> we're going through a little bit of a lull. Let me have a passionate affair with this, you know, this rich guy. And I don't know. I just didn't, didn't like that premise. How about you? The English patient always reminds me of like the Seinfeld episode where yeah. you, you, I you felt so validated. Like I remember that. I felt so validated when Elaine didn't like it. And I'm like, yes, it was a terrible <laughs> movie. Thank you, Elaine. Yeah. Anyway, how about you, Joe? Well, never saw The English Patient. Never wanted to. And that might have been a little bit before my time. Um, not, you know, I guess my formative years are probably I, middle school in the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. But that seemed more like maybe a high school movie or yeah. more, more of a little <sighs> mature. And mm-hmm. uh, to this day, someone might argue I'm still not there yet, but that's, a, <laughs> that's okay. Um, uh, this was fun for me. I do like movies and I like a specific genre. So my first is, is pretty easy was De Niro and Goodfellas, Mm. Uh, Jimmy Conway. I think that's a, that's a solid role, uh, solid movie. And definitely one of my top movies out of all the characters. I like him the best there. I just think you see a lot of facets of him. And then when uh, Tommy gets killed at the end, you see him cry. So you see the the full range of emotions. So I think that's pretty good acting. Um, And I think that's De Niro. So the number two was tough. I got a list. I was thinking, like, <laughs> do I go Star Wars and and do Harrison Ford, you know, like classic actor, 
uh, strong leading, or I guess he was one of the leading, yeah, leading male roles there. Um, But then one of my favorite movies as a kid in the 80s uh, was The Outsiders. And I really liked Pony Boy, like stay gold, stay gold, stay golden, Pony Boy. Um, and I know that was Machio, Ralph Machio's uh, line, but uh, still <clears throat> loved it. So there's like other Italian movies, other mob movies, but I think I'm going to go with Collegio oh. from, from a Bronx tale. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I love great movie. I love the whole idea, especially with with what's going on now. I mean, I know it was set in the 60s, but it's it's got like the racial tension, you know, an Italian family, Italian working class family um, really resonated a lot. So I think that's where I'm going to go with my second one. It was close with Ray Liotta with uh, Hendry Hill from Goodfellas. But I thought if we're going to stick with De Niro, then probably pick another movie. Not that I don't like Ray Liotta, still a top actor. Um <laughs> But I, I'm going with C, Collegio. Plus that name. That name is just so awesome. It's a pretty uh, name. Yeah. A little bit of Italian coming out of me now, but, yeah. you know, yeah, roots are strong. <laughs> I love it. So what do you got for No Way? Exactly what you said, Harry Potter. <laughs> oh. And and not that I, I, I don't mind the first two movies, but after that, it kind of goes down. Um, and, you know, not that I don't like Harry Potter. Um, I was actually going thinking the Marvel or, you know, DC world data. And one of the ones I came up was Superman out of all the characters, he would be my least favorite. But now like Andrew, after hearing what you said, like, huh. I'm kind of glad I didn't put him up in there, you know, like, yeah. and, and maybe that was it. Cause I would be more of a Batman fan um, right. because he is, you know, still a good guy, but, you know, he won't drop you all the way from the top like he did in the one movie. You know, he'll just drop you to break your legs where Superman wouldn't drop you at all. Okay. Um, so maybe I should try and be more like Superman. <laughs> Lesson learned, kids. There's there's the 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 new T-shirt. Be more like Superman. Oh, right. we're going to hashtag that, Ron. That's good. Yeah. Um, and I think, Andrew, like you said, Christopher Reeve. I mean, that was I think that was him in the film. But it, it also that was just him in real life. But he just seemed like that guy. Yeah, he really did. He seemed like a really good person. And yeah, yeah, totally great. And and the strength of after his accident and, you know, just everything. Like he was just that he was Superman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, doing that with us. We're going to pause for a second to take a little break, but we'll be back in a moment. Would you like to hear your educational book, platform or program advertised in this spot? With the Teacher Nerd Sponsorship Program, that could happen. You can be featured on the show and help us continue to bring great content to the podcast. We offer three levels of sponsorship, including commercials voiced and produced by one of the Teacher Nerds, as well as links listed on our sponsor's webpage. Visit teachernerds.com backslash sponsorship to check out some sample commercials and more information. And remember, that's nerds with a Z. And now back to the show. So can we always ask if you can tell us a little bit about your journey through education, you know, where you started and, you know, tell everybody where you are now and, and kind of how you got there along the way. Right. Okay. Just, you know, get the hook if I keep talking. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, I went to New York University 
in Manhattan and I studied theater at Tisch School of the Arts and loved it. Got my degree from there, studied with David Mamet and Linda Hunt and went to school with Molly Shannon from Saturday Night Live and Allie Wentworth and just lots of like I could go on and on um, and wound up back in San Francisco running a theater school got an opportunity to direct a lot of plays, act in a lot of plays, won some awards out here. And I did that for almost 20 years. And then I decided I needed a break, needed a new chapter, if you will. And I started taking some classes. I took a class called uh, The Science of Well-Being. And then I took a week-long symposium at the Greater Good Science Center, and they do social-emotional learning for teachers. So teachers from all over the world came for this week, and we it was like a sleepaway camp, and we learned all about social-emotional learning. We uh, learned about mindfulness, and then uh, the, during that week, they started playing these mindful games, and I just had this aha moment that mindful games are basically theater games. So they're the games that I learned all through high school, doing theater, uh, university, in rehearsals. Uh, And I realized that mindfulness training and theater training were quite similar. So I, I sort of put that in my back pocket and then I started studying mindfulness in earnest. And about six months later, I found some teachers that were willing to have me go into their transitional kindergarten class, which is, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's, a cl- it's a bunch of four-year-olds, kids that haven't quite turned five at the beginning of the school year, So, uh, but they're not really should they shouldn't really be in preschool so it was a transitional kindergarten class so they were four-year-olds and i used a curriculum from mindfulschools.org which is a great online resource and they've been doing this for years post pre-pandemic uh so so anyway i did this curriculum twice a week for about six months and then i ran out of curriculum so i thought well why don't i start playing some theater games. You know, I I loved them when I was doing them. So I brought in some theater games and the kids loved them. We played something called Sneaky Statues and oh my gosh, we did Red Light, Green Light. I mean, just, it, you know, just all sorts of different things. I, I wish I had a list of them in front of me. And then uh, I thought, well, let's read them some stories, some mindful stories. So I went out and I went to a local bookstore that was sort of new agey and looked to see what they had. And they really had very little material, but I bought a book anyway and I read it to the kids and they just weren't into it. You know, I could see the little light in their eyes dim. (laughs) And uh, I thought, well, this is interesting. You know, maybe I've got a book or two in me that I can write. So I went home that night and I wrote four manuscripts and I brought one or two of them in the next week. And I read one and um, it was called Puppy Mind. And so I read it to the kids and they really liked it. The teacher came up after words and said, you know, that's really good. You should talk to someone about maybe getting it published. And I, 
I said, really? And she encouraged me. So I, one thing led to another. I got a publisher and I got a two book deal out of it. And the first book was Puppy Mind, which uh, I don't know. I'll show it to you. I know your audience probably can't see it, but I'll show it to you. It's a really cute uh, book. And the cover or the illustrations are by the guy who does Clifford the Big Red Dog, which oh, is awesome. coming out into a major motion picture. Um, and then he did another one with me called The Lion and Me a couple of years later. And then my whole curriculum got published as well. It's a 300 page curriculum called Mindful Arts in the Classroom. And um, so it was basically just me teaching this curriculum for a year. And then slowly I started having volunteers come on board, assisting me. Um, and then after, eventually, like in the second year, we decided, why don't we just give them the curriculum that I've written? It wasn't published at that point, but why don't they just go out into the the schools themselves, we'll get them a teacher and they can go in for a half an hour and teach this curriculum on their own. And if they need me, they can contact me. And, and so that's what we did. So uh, eight years later, we have like 40 volunteers going into the classrooms of San Francisco Unified School District uh, schools, and uh, we see over a thousand kids a week, and we've seen thousands and thousands of kids over the last eight years. So we're really proud of it. And we even hired a program coordinator a few years ago. So they place all the volunteers in the schools. So it's pretty, pretty exciting uh, time for me. Yeah, that's that's t- and and I have to say, like your I think uh, Tina sent us <clears throat> a PDF of Puppy Mind. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, the illustrations when you said it was the the illustrator was the gentleman who does Clifford the Big Red Dog. I was like, oh, yeah, because the illustrations are I think they help pull the kids would pull the kids in because they're such great illustrations. Um, yeah, so, yeah, really cool. you're absolutely right. And and they're familiar. You know, you look right. at the cover of the book and you're like, oh, that dog kind of looks sort of familiar. And it's different enough than Clifford, mm-hmm. but there's still this familiarity there. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. And it was interesting. Uh, I put on Facebook when I first wrote the manuscript, you know, does anyone know how to an illustrator that can draw like Curious George or Clifford, their big red dog. And within five minutes, my friend, Steve Jones in Ohio, uh, said, well, actually, I went to school with the guy who's drawing Clifford the Big Red Dog now. Um, And so that was a Saturday night. And then Monday morning, Jim Dirk, the illustrator, and I were talking on the phone. And he had never heard of mindfulness, uh, but I tried to pitch it to him. And he said, well, that sounds interesting. And uh, so the rest is history. We've never met. We rarely talk on the phone. It's mostly email. We've never done a Zoom call or anything. But We've collaborated over the years now, so it's it's a really sweet uh, relationship. That's very cool. It seems like that's how books get written in uh, this day and age. Yeah, apparently. And you know, in in truth, publishers really don't like you to work with the illustrator as an author. They really just want you to give them the manuscript, and then mm. they are the creative genius. Uh, <laughs> 
that, you know, just does their own thing over there in the corner. And, and you get to look at the sort of the proofs, I guess is the word, I don't know, um, and make changes if you want or suggest changes, but it's really not up to you. Uh, it's fascinating. You kind of give your, your baby away and, <laughs> and they do what they will with it. So is there, am I right? There's a, the barefoot King. Was that another book you wrote? Yeah, the Barefoot King uh, came out about a year and a half ago during the pandemic, and it's through Shambhala Press. The other three books are through Parallax Press, which was started by a renowned Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah. And Shambhala Press is out of uh, Boulder, Colorado, and they uh, published this lovely book. Uh, I, I don't know if Tina, my publicist, uh, sent it to you, but it's a beautiful book, great jewel tones. Uh, and it's all about a young king who stubs his toe and tries to change the world because of it, but winds up learning how to change his mind instead, mm-hmm. which, which is a which is a really important, you know, um, technique these days. You know, the world is not what we want it to be for many of us. But we have to learn skills that can teach us how to be balanced and kind and curious and loving, um, even though, you know, we feel polarized. Right. I'd like to know if uh, at the have you always been working in the same school district? You said the unified school district in San Francisco. Yes. So, So I wonder what their. I don't even know what you would call that, I guess, in K through five. I mean, in third, fourth and fifth, like altercations or incidents of like harassment, intimidation and bullying. I'm wondering if any of those have gone down. Absolutely. um, Over the past five years. So there'd be data, right, to support data, data, data uh, to to support it. Yeah. You know, I I bet the school has data. Mm -hmm. I should ask them. But we you know, we don't since we're we're just volunteers. We tend to not spend a lot of time collecting data, but you're absolutely right. We, we, we need to be at some point once we, we have a program manager, but they don't work uh, full time. Um, but I think once that person works full time, they could be in charge of, uh, you know, sending post post tests and pre-tests and things like that. But I will say that, you know, we I've been doing Zoom teaching for the last year and a half, like all of us, uh, or at least most of us. Um, and I wasn't sure I wanted to go back into the classroom. It just felt like a lot. It felt too much. And um, but I thought, you know what, just do it. And if it's terrible, you know, you can reassess. You can talk to the principal, uh, you know we'll figure something out. But I walked into the school the first day a few months ago now, and I ran into the security guard and he said, Hey, Mr. Andrew. And I said, Hey, Mr. Alexander. And, and he said, you're not going to believe the kids. They are so focused and ready to learn. And, uh, you know, we're rarely sending kids to the office. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Interesting. So, he was right. The all the kids, not all, but most of the kids, most of the time are really there to learn. There's not a lot of altercations. It does happen, of course. But 
I talked to the the school social worker who uh, has been working with me for the last four years at this school, four or five years. And she said, you know, I really think it's because of the social emotional learning that we're asking the teachers to bring into their classrooms. We're asking the teachers to do that for themselves. And of course, the mindfulness work that you're bringing in uh, is really changing the the trajectory of these kids lives and the tone of the school, the, the feel of the school. And it's, and it's so cool because we put the effort in years ago and now it's starting to pay off. Um, and it's just really cool to see. I, I highly re- recommend principals, social workers to really give this at least social emotional work, uh, a, a shot. Um, mindfulness is just one part of that. And, you know, if you're doing social emotional work in your classroom, you're already doing some sort of uh, mindfulness work. Um, you know, you're asking the kids to check in with their feelings. You're asking them to um, take a deep breath, to uh, you know, talk about what you're experiencing, say you're sorry, uh, you know, are you in the red zone or the yellow zone or the green zone, you know? So that's all mindfulness stuff anyway. It's just, um, you know, we're, we're labeling it as mindfulness uh, specifically. So why do you see such a need for the mindfulness, you know, across not just San Francisco, but I would imagine, and, and for me, I, I think worldwide. Right. And, and to start it with children. Right. Well, because if we don't understand our emotional landscapes, we're going to spend our whole lives trying to fix the outside world, like like I was talking about with the Barefoot King. And if we can realize, okay, this isn't what I want, but this is what I have. So what I'm what am I going to do right now to be my most skillful rather than rather than yell or shout or or throw a chair or whatever? Because um, there's lots of things wrong with the world, but how can we be our most skillful uh, with them? How to, without getting you know into fight, flight, or freeze, without getting hijacked by our own emotions, um, so we don't do or say things that we regret. So if we can start now and create these healthy habits of mind, heart, and body now, it's like tying your shoe. You know, it's like learning the language of technology or math or science or whatever. It's like, well, of course, this is what you do with, you know, when this situation comes up, you don't even think about it. You know, you look down to your shoe, you see it's untied and you could, you could tell me, you know, your life story while you're tying your shoe. You don't even have to think about it. So that's what I'm trying to do. And we're trying to do as a, as an organization is to just make it just rote, you know, that it's just part of who you are. If you're, if you're feeling frustrated or sad or happy, just check in with your breath, body, heart, and mind, and see what you need to do next. That's the smartest and safest for you and for those around you. Um, And I will tell you, my husband actually uh, works at San Quentin prison or used to until the pandemic. And he was doing um, 
restorative justice circles with them. And he would actually play some of the theater games, the mindful games that I was bringing into the, I bring into the classroom. And it's, it's uh, all about checking in with your body, checking in with your heart, checking within your mind um, so that you aren't hijacked. And the guys in there were like, whoa, if I knew that my face got flushed and my belly got tight and my fists clenched and my shoulders went up every time I got angry, uh, those would have been guideposts or warning signs for me. And I could have maybe taken a deep breath, maybe made us a, a little bit of smarter choice. So I wouldn't have done that terrible thing or, you know, or gone down that road that didn't serve me. Um, but I was so, you know, angst filled as a teenager that I just needed to, you know, get out. I needed to, I needed to let out all this angst because I didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, and I, and I wound up hanging out with the wrong crowd. Um, so, so that's really, uh, one of the benefits. Another benefit is, you know, a, a teacher told me this story a while back, she said a little first grader of hers uh, was living with his grandmother and uh, a lot of trauma in his life. Um, but so they had to go to the doctor just for a checkup. But of course, that's a little scary for any kid. And so he gets there with his grandmother and the doctor puts the thing around his around his arm to check his blood pressure and it's through the roof um and the doctor's like this is not good uh, you know i don't i don't even know what's happening here it's it, his, his his heart's beating so fast and his blood pressure is so high and so the little kid first grader says well why don't i do this poem that mr andrew taught me uh before we do our mindfulness sit so he does this poem and it's with your hand and your and your breath and by the end of the poem, uh, the doctor checked his blood pressure and it was back down to normal. So, so, you know, just that, that alone is enough for me, you know, the fact that this kid could, you know, just calm himself so that he can, um, you know, focus and, and sort of free himself from the tyranny of his traumas is, is pretty big. Can I, so you talked about like living a skillful life. Can you kind of explain like what, what do you mean when you say living a skillful yeah, life? I think it means trying to remember to be kind to ourselves, trying to remember to be kind to others, trying to uh, be in the moment, be focused, um, and also be curious. You know, it's, it's basically a KFC, kind, focused, and curious. Um, and I think that's a really skillful life, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy because you know, <laughs> we're humans. I would have never thought the state, the, I guess you do have to talk about the curiosity because kind of definite focus. You want to pay attention. So you know what's going on, but right. staying curious, I guess that's, that's going to keep your mind sharp. That's right. Um, to write, to keep learning and, and trying to figure things out. That's right. That's interesting. And yeah. I think when you talk about that angst, um, that it's a double-sided coin, right? That you're either anxious and scared um, mm -hmm. and maybe on medication to try and help that. Or the other is <laughs> my therapist told me you can't punch everyone in the face. So, right. which I never even thought <laughs> was a, a side of anxiety, <clears throat> but how much that would help, you know, students who 
you know, I was telling Ron earlier today, we had a student removed from class twice. And, and, you know, there's a lot of underlying issues. And when he is on everything he's supposed to be taking, everything's fine. Interesting. But, but when we don't have that, it would be great. You know, Ron does Mindfulness Monday. We do daily check-ins. Nice. Um, but to have something, the curriculum, yeah, how much better he would be. Um, right. And we now have things in place so the kids in class stay safe and, and he gets out and work's still completed, you know, one, once he does calm down. But yeah, to have so much to to be able to know there's so much more in place. And right. it's sad because he's, you know, so smart, which yeah. I'm sure the the people that, you know, your husband's working with so smart. Right. But when you can't control it, it only takes one bad decision to ruin. And and I know, you know, people have a lot they're they're dealing with in general. Um, but then but then when you don't have that caring environment at home, when you don't have everything to to help you. You know, I, I believe I had that and I'm still where I'm at just right. learning. Wait, you can't attack everything. It's when things go, you know, and she said, like, punch everything like in the face, like, you know, not literally, but figuratively. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I say to the kids, you know, it's OK to be angry. It's just not OK to be mean. You know, every emotion is OK. Every action is not. And, you know, to your point all of us get hijacked by our emotions, you know, um, especially anger, you know, it's our most difficult emotion. The lion in me is all about that, that this kid, you know, just knows he can he see, you see it on his body as you read the book, you know, his face gets flushed, his shoulders go up, his uh, fists clench, and he turns into this lion and he doesn't, he says and does things that he doesn't even really remember. You know, it's just sort of this volcano of, of anger. And uh, we play a game in the class in class and the kids love it. And basically kids pick an emotion out of a paper bag and they read it to themselves. And if they can't read that particular word, you whisper it in their ear. And uh, let's say the emotion is, you know, frustration. And um, so they act out the word and you can even sort of do hangman. I don't, I, I know there's a new word for hangman, because <laughs> hangman but whatever that, whatever that word is, use that word instead of hangman, but, um, and they can fill in the letters. So, you know, they'll, they'll scream out F and then you put F, you know, et cetera. And so, so basically you figure out what the word is and then you ask the actor who, you, who you've brought up, um, let's do a check-in. Let me see you be frustrated. And so, in fact, do you mind if we do it with you, Joe? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So you'll be my you'll be my third grader. And so Joe, you've you've acted out frustration really good. Let me let me see you go back to being frustrated. Let me just see. Okay, good. Do you feel tense or relaxed right now, Joe? Very tense, very tense. Do you feel hot or cold? Oh, hot. Good. Do you feel like your mind is busy or still? Racing. Okay. Do you feel like your heart is beating fast or slow? Racing. Okay. Um, is your belly, um, are you taking Ooh. shallow breaths or are you taking big breaths? It's probably shallow at that time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, do you feel big? This is an interesting one. Take your time with this. Uh, do you feel big or little when you're frustrated? Um, it, uh, and maybe it all depends on why I'm frustrated. Yeah, yeah totally. 
Totally. Most of the time, like, especially with, if I, if this was anger, most of the time kids would say, I feel big when I'm angry. Frustration actually does feel constricted because you're angry, but you're not supposed to be right. Frustrated is Mm. like, you're not getting what you want, you know, you can't figure something out. So there's a little bit more of a closing off with frustration, but anger is, is a little bit bigger. You know what I mean? Does the game was, does it come with the emotions? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm telling you, I, for the yeah. longest time, and I think this might've been my biggest problem. I didn't, you know, what feelings I didn't have feelings. I just right. don't care. I just right. don't care. And, and it was the lady I was talking to says, you can only stuff that down for so long before right. it starts coming out in like ways where right. you're, you know, you're going to hurt in your body and yeah. then you're not going to be able to sleep at night. Because yeah. you might not want to talk about it during the day, but it's not going away. So your your mind will run. Yeah. Um, so I think that's huge. Because I was yeah. always wondering when you were talking about the 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 theater games, like the 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 statue game you were talking about. Right. I, I was trying to th- like how would you connect that to the mindfulness? Uh, but I could definitely see it with that one. Yeah. With the one yeah. you were just explaining. Yeah. Um, and I think I would like to go grab the line in me only because like, if not, I mean, personally for me, and, and I just told my son the other day, who's 15, mm-hmm. going to be 16. Um, don't grow up to be like me. Don't grow up to be just so, cause we see it in him. Now he can get so angry so quick yeah. and to not be able to control it. I was, uh, you know, going to tell Ron, like, Hey, I want some information about the places you can go on Friday night um, to the the monastery. Yeah, there's that. Right. Yep. Um, just to be able to, you know, and and I like what you're saying to maybe not even call it meditation. Right. Just take, just take, let's take 10 deep breaths together. You know, I don't have to label it. But I could see that maybe really being helpful for this little boy too. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's, you know, he's a bright boy and, and, yeah, when he's screaming and hollering at me and, you know, I've I've yet to be told F you and given the finger, but other wow. teachers have. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah. yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and yeah. and I could feel I, I feel them, you know, like I get frustrated sometimes and I want to do that exact same thing sure. and say those exact words, yeah. uh, you know, but I'm, yeah. I'm finally learning. Yeah, yeah, it's not healthy. And Ron had told me before it's not hurting anyone else. But right, it, it's right when I was I was mad at something, Ron, and you're like, dude, <laughs> like, come on, who are you hurting? Because the person that you're you're pissed at doesn't even, even know. know. <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's true. Yeah, it's right? like it, it, they say it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> right, and it's like then they have that power over you, right? Mm-hmm. Like who's I was Mike Tyson who told some, I forget who he was talking to in an interview. Um, and it was the reformed Mike Tyson now when he's like, I don't hate anyone. He goes, I start hating them. Then, then they're, they're in here. That's right. And, and they own this. That's he goes, right. Nope. It's, it's gotta go. You gotta let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And I was told in theater school years ago that anger is often a secondary emotion. And especially for guys in this country, um, it's protecting us from what the body thinks of as frailer emotions. So grief, sadness, you know, this, this third grader you're working with sounds like he's, he's got some challenges in his life. 
imagine all the grief that's in there that he can't show. He, he doesn't want to show in a public arena. So he's got to bring in anger to protect himself. So the so he is not embarrassed, uh, you know, is not shamed. You know, guys in this country specifically get to feel angry and they get to be, you know, kind of silly. You know, it's it's sort of only those two things. And we really need to encourage um, that those softer emotions, those frailer emotions to be um, talked about and experienced. And um and yeah, so so that game is really good because it sort of says this is what your specific body does. You know, if we played that game with Ron, he might have had some slightly different uh, feelings in his body. Um, but for this particular kid, he'll know, OK, here it comes. I'm getting angry again. You know, Susie said something that just triggered me. <laughs> I'm feeling warm. I'm 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 not breathing. You know, what am I going to do? Uh, I feel it in my shoulders. That's right. Exactly. What am I going to do? I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to wiggle my toes, maybe. Um, and I'm going to see if I can kind of wake up enough to do the next right thing. And it's hard. And it's not, you know, it's not a miracle, but it is a sort of a, you know, a drop of water into the bucket. And eventually he'll have enough that he can use it on a pretty regular basis uh most of the time and i'm think, sure it's something i'm sorry no go ahead joe like something that it will take time to work with yeah. and practice yeah. um yeah. and and i'm assuming time right like any kind of plan six to eight weeks just to yeah. figure things out in the beginning and right but it's like you know it's like playing a musical instrument you know it's we're not good right away we gotta we gotta give this time mm. you know we've given it years at this school and and now we're really feeling, seeing the the fruits of our labor. And it's really exciting to see. Um, you know, if you ask any kid in the school, what do you do when you feel a big emotion? Every single kid will say, I'll take a deep breath without without a doubt. They'll just say, I take a deep breath. And and that's, you know, to distill it all down, breath work is I really think uh my golden ticket uh to uh, a, a better life is when you're feeling a big emotion and we feel them many times throughout the day, take a deep breath, do a check-in, wiggle your toes, and then decide what you want to do. You know, when, if you're driving in a car, someone does something you don't like, take a deep breath, wiggle your toes, notice where it's showing up in your body. And I swear, if you get curious enough about what going on in your body that driver will just that that driver will disappear in your mind you won't even think about it you won't even need to come up with the cute story about oh they're probably going to the hospital to you know <laughs> to see their newborn baby or whatever you don't have to go mindfulness is not about storytelling it's about taking care of what's going on with uh what you can see feel and and hear and taste and touch. Um, it's not about getting up further into your head and the rabbit holes that we all create all the time. And I think, I, I mean, there were two things that, you know, just popped into my, the, the power of the story, you, you know, just the, the stories that you said your, your husband hears of someone who 
has gone beyond and committed a crime based, uh, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of those crimes become based on anger or some kind of emotion. Yeah. And to hear someone say like, if I would have known, yeah, this could have happened, right. um, I think is huge in, in, in power um, for what you're doing. And the, the other thing I thought that was interesting was, I think a, too often, a lot of times, if we have a child who is having an emotion, you know, they are angry or frustrated, and we say, you need to stop being angry. There's something that, well, no, it is like you said, s- <clears throat> recognize the emotion, feel the emotion. Nobody should tell you, you shouldn't be angry. What we should be telling you is how do you deal with the anger that you're feeling? Because, you know, I think that's part of mindfulness is recognize the emotion, sit with the emotion, know what it feels like. Know, like you said, I love that game because even for me, I started to think like, oh, I wonder what I, you know, when you're asking Joe the questions, I'm like going through myself and, and thinking about how many times where I could cut that off almost as soon as I feel the first or second emotion or answer the first or second question. Um, But that, that knowing that it is okay to sometimes you are going to feel angry Mm -hmm. or frustration or like we we've seen a lot on social media about, you know, not being okay. And I I said, one of the things that drives me crazy is when somebody says, well, at least you don't have cancer. Well, (laughs) yeah, I get that. Like, sure. That that's a big thing but I am feeling how I'm feeling yeah, and I'm allowed to feel that way. I just need to know now, what do I do with it? Right. I'm feeling that way. So much of what we, wh- how we relate to each other is because we feel uncomfortable that this little third grader is having a big emotion, you know? So we kind of take it on, you know, like it's, it's almost like this wave that hits us and we kind of are drowning in this wave of, you know, uh, anger. And we're like, stop being angry, Johnny, you know, because we're feeling all of it in our bodies and we don't know what to do with it ourselves. So the first thing we need to do is as adults, no matter with whether you're a teacher or not, is be able to take the wave, you know, almost like a superhero, take that wave and then transmute it into something manageable rather than because we've been taught that there are negative and positive emotions, right? We can all list them, anger, sadness, but really you're at your mother's funeral and you don't get to be sad, you know? You're angry because your father was shot, you know? You don't get to be angry, so that's negative? No, it's not. It's, it's all just information. And so the whole thing about negative and positive emotions needs to be out the window. It's big emotions, it's difficult emotions, powerful emotions, but negative and positive, uh-uh, not. Because, because then if you have an um, emotion that you deem as negative, then you're shaming yourself too, right? Oh, I'm doing something bad here. I must be a bad person. And you just go down this spiral of, of toxicity um, that is not helpful. So to just go, okay, this is big. Here it is. I'm going to be with it. I'm going to befriend it and um, notice it and be curious about it. And then 
it no longer has the hold on on us that it did mo just moments before. There's a nice expression in mindfulness. Uh, if you name it, you can tame it. So even just by naming the not necessarily even the emotions, but naming the heat in the neck, naming the tension in the shoulders, naming the tightness in the chest, you know, whatever it is, we slowly, because the body is saying, you know, careful here, I'm feeling something big. So I think there's danger out there. Um, so if we can just say, it's okay, it's okay. I got this. Yes. It's a third grader and he's upset. But we're gonna we're gonna just tend to your primal sensations that are going on within the body right now, which takes like nanoseconds really. If you take some deep breaths and just tend to all those spots that are are uncomfortable, it really takes a breath or two uh, to self-regulate again, so you can attend to the third grader or weaken and, it to the third grader. And I'll tell you when you respond. Not accordingly, like if, you know, because I'm sure a lot of times when people respond to situations, especially involving other people with anger, they're met back with anger, Yeah. right? I mean, so when you respond in that cool, calm, collective tone, yeah, it's I mean, gift. It's such a gift, but, and it's, it's, it is tough, right? And, and you do have to, I feel as if I have to continue to remind myself and, yeah. you know, I think I would like to start doing the check-ins because I just feel it. And and at this point in the game, I'm lucky enough where I know he's eight years old. Right. Uh, you know, as much as I, it, it would be very easy to say, you know what? You sit down, you be quiet. This right. isn't the way. And then, uh, then, then now I'm going to get that big middle. Right. And, you know, you've won the battle, but you know, at what cost really? Right. Yeah. Well, and then you have other kids who aren't used to maybe getting yelled at. And now you're yeah. yelling in class. I think that's going to turn, you know, their switches off to no matter how nice you are to them, they could still yeah. see you as a guy who's in front of the classroom screaming and hollering. That's right. And I think, too, if we just continue to remember that this is coming from some sort of trauma and not some sort of we're terrible teachers and and this kid this kid finally sees me for the terrible teacher I am. You know? <laughs> um, which I found uh, out. <laughs> right, exactly. Darn it. I've uh, known for a while. <laughs> right, right. Me too. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just, you know, this is this is their best. This is their best. And what is my best in this moment? I guess that's the, that's the big question to keep asking ourselves. Um, one thing, and this is a little repetitive, but I just wanted to kind of hammer this point home is often if I see a kid in the hallway who's like, you know, slumped over and just sitting against the wall, we've seen that a thousand times and they've been asked to leave the classroom or they've done something in the classroom and stormed out. Um, I'll sit next to them and I'll say, boy, it seems like you have a, you're having a big emotion and they'll nod their head. And then I'll say, I'll do that game with them basically. And I'll say, do you feel hot or cold? And they'll say, I feel hot. And, and we'll do this whole little body scan. I'll be like, great job, you know, and I'll just keep affirming them, affirming them. And um, then I'll say, do you think you can wiggle your toes for me? And if they can't, I know we still have more work to do because it's really hard to focus on your toes when you're thinking about the fact that Susie took your toy. Um, but once they can wiggle their toe toes, I'm like, all right, high five. Um, and then I'll say, you want to do some, you want to do your favorite breath 
with me. And so they might do breathing ball breath or, or spidey breathing or um, what else um, or quiet coyote breathing. Um, and we'll do that together. Or I, I have a breathing ball in my bag, which is this plastic thing right here. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. So for your viewers, it's or your listeners, it's called a Hoberman sphere and a mini Hoberman sphere is what you'd want in your classroom. It's a great kind of calming tool. It's maybe calming isn't the right word, but a, it's a good self-regulation tool to get oxygen back into the body. Because as we were talking about earlier, we tend to hold our breath when we're feeling big emotions. So, um, so I do that. And I, I swear to you within about a minute, it's a different kid. They've just let all of it go. And I'll, I'll often say, you think you're ready to go back into class and they'll nod their head and they'll go back in or they'll go back out onto the playground or whatever it is. And um, I, I've just sort of released them from that tyranny of that emotion that has just told them, just hold on, don't let this go. You got to get ready for the next fight. And, and just by doing this simple activity with them, they just release it all and are able to think more clearly so they can be more skillful. Can you show the spidey breathing again? I would, yeah, I think he would like that. Okay. So basically it's like this and uh, you breathe in and you breathe out, oh, breathe in, so you make a hand flat with the exhale and breathe in. And then you can also, of course, shoot up to the ceiling like this if you want. Um, okay. And then it, if you, you you both have kids, this is actually, I love you in sign language. So, um, so, and I've been telling the kids, I love them for a while now. I say that in a big group because kids don't know that they're loved. You know, we think, oh yeah, sure. They know, they know I love them. They know I care about them, but I've just decided, you know what? There's so much trauma that's so pervasive in this world. I'll just say at the end of every class, I'm sending you lots of love and kindness, you all. And I'll see you next week. Um, I tell the kids I love them. And yeah. and and it, it took it took a little bit as it, I, yeah. I started out. I wouldn't even hug a kid and I still won't hug a kid. I'll tell them high fives, high fives. I'll do high fives. Right. You know, I, you know, Mr. Pod, I'm not a hugger, um, but I'll definitely tell them. And, you know, sometimes they go, ew, I'm like, ew, I don't love you like that. I don't love anybody like that, <laughs> but I love you. You know, like I'll right. try and play it up a little bit. But I, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I say I think of you all as family. You know, I've known some of you since pre-K, so, um, you know, I care about what happens to you, and you know, and to, and I just don't think a lot of parents even say that. You know, I care what happens to you. You know, um, and I just started ending my classes this year. Uh, I'll say I love y'all. Yeah, like, and like you said, whether it's just there's one kid in there who just doesn't mm -hmm. hear it. Yeah, right. hear it every day or has never heard it. Right. It's it's worth every second that it takes. Yeah. Just for them to hear it. Right. And I think and, there is a fear like people don't want to. I was just going to say at least and they start to hear that over and over again. Like maybe it is OK to say it. Right. That's right. And I, I don't say, say it to an individual. Like if I saw right. a little kid in right. the hallway. Uh, I wouldn't say it, but I'll say it to the whole group. Um, you know, I think as guys, we have to, you know, there's this lens out there that, which is true that there's some, some weird guys out there in the world, but, but at the same time, I really want these kids to know that they're safe because that's really what I love about mindfulness is it teaches us 
it, it, it reminds us that we're usually safe. Even in the most traumatized households in a school setting, the kids are typically quite safe most of the time. Um, you know, yes, maybe the guy next to you is gonna try to beat you up at, at recess, but in the classroom setting, especially third grade, you know, elementary school age, most of the time we're safe. And so we have to know when we can drop our armor and when we need to armor up again, because that armor has served these kids well. Uh, so we don't want them to be armorless, uh, but we want them to know that they have the ability to let it go when they want. I've never written so much down. Oh, <laughs> drop, drop their armor. I'm stealing oh, that one. Thank you. <laughs> That's great, Joe. Thank yeah. you. So, Andrew, I guess, is it like a nonprofit? So, yeah, I work for an organization called the San Francisco Education Fund, and they're basically the volunteer arm of the school district. They do tutoring, mentoring. And then eight years ago, I went to them. And I said, hey, I need to be fingerprinted as a volunteer. Would you mind if I teach something called mindfulness? They had never heard of it, but they thought, all right, whatever. And so, so we are a program. Mindful Arts San Francisco is a program of the San Francisco Education Fund. Um, so if you're interested, you can go to both of those websites, Mindful Arts San Francisco or the San Francisco Education Fund to know more about it. And we actually... A woman from New Jersey reached out to me and wanted to start her own mindful arts program in the schools. And I said, you know, just start small. You know, if you know a teacher, you know, just reach out to that specific teacher and just say, hey, can I teach this mindfulness curriculum? And then let's just see where it goes. And then it'll just organically expand. And that's what happened for me. So I highly recommend that strategy. That's, and I saw the the Mindful Arts San Francisco website. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of resources there. Yeah, right? you, yeah. You the, the curriculum, the books, and I love. And I guess we were just doing it, but the breathing cards. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got them somewhere. Yeah, here they are. Um, yeah, I've got these fifty different ways to breathe, and you can go to the website or my my uh, website at andrewjnance.com and you can find the link for the breathing cards and there there's that spidey breathing we were talking about and um oh cool yeah lots of different ways to breathe like uh ocean breathing elephant breathing uh balloon breathing uh shark breathing Wonder Woman breathing, Hulk breathing, Superman breathing, all sorts of fun ways. And a lot of teachers will have their kids pick a way to breathe that particular check-in. Um, so you might just breathe 10 times, uh, you know, as Spidey. And that just doing that 10 times after recess, because transitions, as you know, are always hard, they're always wonky. And it takes a while for the kids to kind of self-regulate. And if we just, have them do, you know, 10 times a certain type of breath, it will self-regulate them. You can, and you can be talking to them the whole time, like checking with your heart. Is it beating fast or slow? You know, we just came from recess, you know, do you feel warm or cold right now? And just as we're breathing, just do a little body scan with them. And just by knowing what they're feeling, they're going to be able to get back uh, on track and get their prefrontal cortex back online. <laughs> you know, the the 
artwork on the cards is yeah. dynamic. Too. Cool. So I really, I did find them online, but look at their Spidey. But I, I basically uh, took them on, off of the internet and they're, you know, pictures that are free. So I just kind of captured them, but they're cool. And then on the back is um, directions on how to do each card. And then on my YouTube channel, there are um, uh, explanations of how to do like 30 different ways to breathe. They're not for the cards specifically, but many of the activities are on the cards as well. Um, and they're only $15 and I'll mail them anywhere in the United States, 25 to go overseas. Yeah, they're awesome. And your YouTube channel, is that just your name? Yes. Andrew Jordan Nance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that has like 50 different things. We have the mayor of San Francisco talking about how she does mindfulness. We, I, I, I did this whole, during the pandemic, I learned uh, some magic. So we do magical mindfulness with Mr. Andrew. And so the, the singing bowl pops into my hand magically and, and lots of fun stuff happens. So it's kind of cute. Cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Like, you know, we, we talk about how much the, how hard the pandemic was and things that didn't work, but like, it's amazing the innovations and the learning that came out, like you, you were saying, doing that. Yeah. Had, yeah. Not for the pandemic. You may I know. Have thought about that or, or yeah. done. It was really fun. I, I actually really enjoyed working with the kids uh, on Zoom, but because um, I get to see their name, I didn't have to memorize anyone's name, which was thrilling for someone 56. <laughs> um, well, and seeing all those different kids, that would be, I know. And that's, I try and, because that's big, right? If you, when you call them by their first name. Um, yeah, I'm seeing about 400 kids a a week. And I just am so f sad that I don't know all their names, but you know, if they don't have big personalities, forget about it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely very hard. Cause that's, that's kind of me. Like I'm a specials teacher. So I see every third grader, every fourth grader, every fifth grader, every sixth grader, seventh grader and eighth grader. So like, do you have any tricks? <laughs> I don't, I would, I always, I, I mean, one of the things I started to do is I, I really start to, um, re I have them stand up like when I call attendance yeah. so that I can really get a visual. Now masks, it's been so much harder because, you know, just seeing that just eyeballs, yeah. I'm like, is so difficult. Um, so frustrating. Yeah. I know. I have them wave. I, yep. I have, and I say, I, they either say present or breathing. Um, <laughs> Because I want them to be present, right. right? Mindfulness, and I want them to breathe. So, so they, so it's cute. So at least I know if they're breathing. Or if they're <laughs> um, and some of them say here, and all the kids will be like, "You said here." <laughs> I'd say it's okay. So they're focused. They are focused. They're listening. <laughs> so that's good. Speaking of focus, be, before we wrap up, you, you had mentioned when we were like kind of doing the pre you know, pre-show yeah. that you have a little bit of a difference between meditation and focus. Right. Like you don't call necessarily your mindfulness. Right. Meditation. Could you. Sure. So, that a little bit? so I came up with the word focus time or the phrase focus time as a replacement for meditation. One, because it's, it's not religious. And two, I really think mindfulness 
is a birthright, you know? All sorts of different cultures have something like mindfulness. So I just didn't wanna kind of give over to the Buddhist, um, you know, lineage where where Native Americans have a mindfulness practice, uh, Africans have a mindfulness practice, um, rituals, uh, mantras, prayers, uh, you know, it's, I think it's just called different names. So I, I like the idea of the fact that we're just trying to focus the mind, the heart and the body with our breath so that we can be skillful. That's, that's really what we're trying to do in my estimation. So uh, meditation to me is just a little too relaxed. I kind of want to meet the moment more. And so that's why I like focus time so much. That's what you said. It's not storytelling, right? So you're not, that's right. I guess going deeper down, not that meditation is going down the rabbit hole, but I guess there's more to meditation. Yeah. It's just to me, one, it's a word that they're not familiar with. Right. And to me, focus just is a, is a vernacular, you know, Buddha even said, speak in the vernacular of the people. Mm-hmm. So uh that's that's what i'm trying to do is just say look you all know what focusing is let's let's do some focus time and we're going to use our breath we're going to do breathing ball breath and we're just going to see what shows up we're going to listen to what we hear in the room we're going to count to 10 um you know whatever whatever it is whatever the way i guide them that particular day is is what we do and so and that's focus time so I don't know. It's just more playful to me. And I'm all about um, just the play of it all. You know, um, it's, you know, mindfulness is not about being stoic or being sort of flatlining your life. It's about rising up to meet whatever shows up with some skill, some kindness and some curiosity. I think I, I would think parents would would want to get behind that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, we've never had any complaints. It's it's just too important. Knowing how to tend to the body and the heart and the mind is such an important life skill. And if we don't teach our kids how to do it sooner than later, they wind up doing and saying things that they regret their whole lives. And that's just not a fun way to live. And I certainly you know, am guilty of saying and doing things that I regret. But, you know, I'm able to apologize a little quicker or I'm able to head it off at the pass. So I don't, in fact, do or say things that make me feel terrible. Yeah. But there's going to be things, right? It's like, what do we do, Ron? Uh, the toothpaste out of the right out of the right. tube, right? It's back in the tube once you squeeze it kind of thing. <laughs> and yeah. with with social media and, and phones, I think it's so important, even more so now that they learn it at an earlier age. Because you could do something or say something, post something, post mm-hmm. something early on. And and even though you're still a juvenile and still don't have all the frontal lobe and cortex and all that stuff, and that will affect you for the rest of your life. That's and right. that, that's heavy, so heavy to think about when you're 10 or 12 years old for the rest of your life. I don't yeah. even think that concept is there yet. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think if I taught middle school or high school, I would probably have to have a lesson on dealing with one's cell phone mindfully. Yeah. Hmm. Because you, you know, I'm I'm certainly guilty of looking at my phone a lot. I don't I don't post things that I regret. Usually they're mindfulness articles or 
you know, inspirational quotes or something. It's not like I'm tracking my life on there much, although I occasionally post something about my life. But um, but yeah, I just think there's such a, a skill that skill set that needs to be learned around technology and and you know the all the chemicals that are released when someone likes our posts and mm. all you that. hear that you hear that notification. Yeah. You right. Know, right. Your whole arm sort of tingles, yeah. right? Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. I've actually been to a workshop where the guy said, you know, pull out your phone. What does it feel like to have it in your hand? You know, can is your hand tingling? You know, are you feeling like you want to open up your phone? You know, it's really <laughs> interesting. It was like a little like like it was a bottle of vodka or something. Right, right. Well, but you think, I mean, honestly, I've been guilty and I, I've recognized at times where you're like standing in line at the store and you're not even thinking about your phone, but the person in front of you or next to you pulls out their phone. And then the first thing you're pulling out your phone, it's almost like the, the idea of like the yawn is contagious. Like yes. they pull out their phone and the next thing you're doing is pulling out your phone because you just wow. saw it. Yeah. There was no reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it is so interesting. I mean, I'm, I, for a while I was thinking, oh, you know, just pull out your phone if you're in a line. But lately I've been really trying to just enjoy being in the line and also just be curious about any feelings that show up, you know, oh, I'm watching the checkout person be really slow or, or, <laughs> talk to them, or they're talking to the, the customer and I'm like, I'm, oh, look at me. I'm getting frustrated. Oh, you know, take a breath, you know, just kind of, you know, just do an inventory. And it's, it's quite fascinating. So, um, so I, I kind of try to do both. Um, and I, you know, that's a, I'd have to say that's probably a, a weak link for me. Uh, the less I could look at my phone, the better is, is what I'm heading for. Well, like you say, it reminds me of uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Like if you're doing the dishes, do the dishes. That's right. Feel yeah. the water, feel the right. soap, feel the, the dish in your hand. Think about the person who made the dish and who got the dish to the store and the, mm -hmm. the clay and the, you know, like all of that. And yeah. it's just, there's so much power to that. When you, when you do that well, when you yeah. go through that practice well, the connectedness you feel to every other human being who had contact yeah. and the food that was on the plate. And, that you know, it just... It can go so deep. Oh. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great one. Um, yeah, you know, even just looking around the building, you know, these supermarkets are massive, you know, look at, look at the ceiling, you know, look at, look at the, how it's all put together, you know, um, all sorts of, you can get curious in all sorts of ways. We play a great game, I guess we're wrapping up, but we play a great game called Find the Pleasant in the Present. And it's all about being in a situation that's not so great, like a junkyard, a traffic jam, a dark forest, a crowded school bus, a noisy lunchroom. And you're just gonna find three things that make you smile. Mm. Uh, and that's a really fun game and it also, it also helps to train us away from that negativity bias that we all have that that you know that pull towards what's wrong with this situation you know the the checkout person talking too much or the line taking too long you know what's what around me could make me smile in that particular instance and that's a really fun one um and then it can also turn into an art activity you know like Ooh. let's let's you know like 
like I, I actually found a cool drawing of a scary forest or it's sort of a, it's sort of a, I wouldn't say it's scary, but it's just this forest. It's black and white and you could make it scary or you could make it beautiful. And I think that would be a really interesting art activity is to make this forest as beautiful as possible, you know, add animals, add your family, whatever, you know? And uh, so, so that's a fun one that you could turn into an art activity, like, you know, draw a junkyard, but draw things that you think are really cool that you'd love to check out in this junkyard. I would love to check everything out in the junkyard. You, you said junkyard. I immediately went to the junkyard. Like that, that's so cool. It's uh, ew. Play it with your kids. They'll come up with all sorts of things, you know, oh, a little kitty or a puddle or an old tire or an old bike. They'll they'll have ideas, especially in third grade. They'll have all sorts of ideas. Um, and then, you know, that could even since you're with them all day, you could even say, you know, what on the playground, you know, did you see that you never saw before that made you smile or or over the weekend? Look for three things or one thing that that you know, made you smile. Um, yeah. I, I think I'll start, uh, on front cause tomorrow we will do a check-in every, every morning. Nice. Um, are you a one, two or a three and why, you know, every kid will get about 60 seconds. Um, and then we do like a quote, what does the quote mean to you? And it's, you know, just to, just to get them to hear these positive things. Um, so maybe tomorrow we'll do look for one thing each day that made you smile. Um, nice. And then on Monday, we'll come in and say, out of everything you saw, tell us what was the best. I love um, it. Because I think it is important for them to be reflective. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's the same thing. We'll be like, something you're looking forward to this weekend. Yeah. Or when we come in on Monday, what was some good thing that happened on this weekend? Because let's face it, at eight years old, not everyone's excited on Monday morning. No. <sighs> yeah. Looking for the good is a really great skill set to build. So I love that you're doing that. That's so exciting. And Andrew, can the like all the activities that you're talking about and the the games is is that in the mindful arts in the classroom book? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. It's all in there. It's all in there. Very cool. Wow. Um, and it, I said that. I mean, I was just looking at it. Uh, I mean, 272 pages is a yeah. it's a massive book. It is. Which, I know. Which is awesome. I mean, it just tells me there's a ton of resources in there. It, there are, and there are a ton of games just alone in the mm -hmm. back book that I love, including What Are You Feeling, which is the game we were talking about with the emotions. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I didn't start to write a book. I actually just tried to write a curriculum that I could use every week in the classroom. And then I submitted it to my publisher and they were like, well, we want to publish it. And so they did. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm like this reluctant or clueless uh author or something i don't know well it i think that the middle school mindfulness with a phone is the next that's well the book. yeah you know i would google that because it might exist it <laughs> might exist there might be a youtube video out there because i agree you know it's 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 an addiction it's Just scary like, it's mm. it's scary yeah yeah it's yeah. scary when eight-year-olds have better iPhones than me. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you got, Mr. Paul? How old is that phone? I'm like, older <laughs> than you. Leave me alone. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Andrew, if people want to follow you on social media or find out more about you, where are some of the places they, they should look? Yes, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel. I have a website, andrewjnance.com. 
You can also go to Mindful Arts San Francisco. You can also go to the San Francisco Education Fund. So those are basically all the places you can find me. Great. And I'll, we put together a wakelet um, for each show. So I'll have all those links for all that stuff in the wakelet, the YouTube channel, everything in there. Oh, wonderful. So uh, this has been great. I, yeah, I can't thank you enough for for taking the time out of your day and for what you are doing for education. Um, you know, it, it's just fantastic. Thank yeah, you. and the fact that you're sitting, you know, willing to sit here and just talk to us about it, or like you were saying before, the teacher called you and you're willing to talk to them about running the similar program. That's all. That's it. Looks like you're you're all in, right? You're all in and. I really see the value in this work and I want it to get out into the world. So I'm just glad you all are willing to listen. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll hope to, to maybe meet you in the future someday, or maybe have you on for another episode. I would love that. Teaching nerds, knocking on your door. Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. Give it a try. Don't be shy. There's nothing there to lose. Worst thing that happens, kids get pain on their shoes. We're talking teacher nerds. I'm talking teacher We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, or anywhere you listen. When you subscribe, be sure to give us a review and tell a friend. Visit us at teachernerds.com. Follow us on Twitter at teachernerds, on Instagram at teachernerdspodcast, or email us, teachernerds at gmail.com. And remember, we're nerds with a Z. Most importantly, thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds. Hey, thanks for listening till the end of the show. We want to take a moment to say hi to some listeners and fellow teacher nerds out there. Hello to Marie Whiteley from Southwest Australia, to Allison DeBellis from Plymouth, Massachusetts, USA, and Marjorie Kundison from Portland, Oregon, USA. Thanks for listening and being one of the teacher nerds.